The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is doing everything they can to help hashtag DGENs only cash big. Use promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We are also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match of up to $50. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. And finally, we are brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at AcePerHead.com slash SGP. That's AcePerHead.com slash SGP. Hello and welcome to episode 5, episode 5 of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome to all degenerates, MMA fans, my mom, hopefully Dan's mom, whoever else is listening. Actually, we I got the, the download numbers for last month and more than my mom, uh, more people than my mom are listening to this podcast, shockingly. So we're going to pull our socks up and actually try from here on out. But thank you for all of you who have who've uh, jumped aboard and, and listened to the show. I am your host, Jeff Fox. I cover the UFC on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Also cover NBA and, and whatever else they need me to chip in on. I also am the head guy, the guy that runs MMA-manifesto.com. Um, now, this is the part of the podcast where I normally introduce my co-host and I, I tell you how he's an expert and, and all this all this stuff, which turned out to be lies, apparently. Um he is my right-hand man over at MMA-Manifesto.com. He hosts two podcasts of his own, uh, Top Turtle MMA Podcast and uh, Prelim Picker Podcast. But um, I want to apologize for unleashing him on the MMA world a decade or so ago because he's, after the past few weeks, he's been uh, he's been proven to be a total fraud. Uh, he, he he cannot pick fights. Um, all his picks, none of his picks come through um now this it's never easy to fire someone especially uh at christmas time someone who has a family but seriously i, I can i really can i really keep this guy uh on any longer um he's he's gonna make all, all you people purr um that person also obviously would be daniel gumby Vreeland. daniel uh can you defend yourself at all i i can because here's the thing so i did definitely a losing record uh last night or whenever you're listening to this last saturday uh i believe i went three and five with my picks on here in my Uh, yes in my defense if i got all three of those cancellation fights right which i believe i would have i'm six and five i'm I'm right back into the positive okay (laughs) that's the best you that's the best you can do we're we're gonna go with that i was definitely gonna (laughs) get mobsar evloev right mobsar evloev looked really good he was so we'll just pretend he beat nate landwer uh, Jimmy Flick beat Cody Durden by submission early. Like I said, there's a prop that I hit too. Uh, and then Montana De La Rosa picked up an underdog win. So I hit an underdog, a prop, and, and a really easy pick with Ethelov right there. And we're talking about me at 6-5. and five. All right. Well, in, in Dan's world, he's he's a, a good uh, good picker. So, okay, maybe we'll let him slide for another week because I'm 
it's too much work to try to find a, find a co-host that, that'll work for as cheap as down at work. So we'll just keep him on. Um, so, so yeah, as of uh, speaking of last week's, um, which ended up, it was when we recorded it and it stayed that way. It was UFC fight night, Hermanson versus Vittori. Um, three fights fell out within like 15 minutes, a few hours before, before the card. Um, so we, we got cut down to, to eight fights, two of them due to, to COVID tests, which I guess we're just at this point, we're just throwing our hands up and we're, we're giving the UFC a, a pass on, on every week, having people test positive in their so-called quote unquote bubble. Yeah. And in, in the weirdest, and in, in like, this is not uh, with any insider knowledge. I have no idea what's going on there. But it's weird that they show up to fight week, test negative, and then later, just like 20 minutes before they're supposed to fight, after they've weighed in, after they've stared down the opponent, like face-to-face, sometimes with taking their mask down, like, then they test positive. It's like, ooh, dude, it's like, there's no way we can catch this earlier, or like, are they clearly getting out of your quote-unquote bubble? Yeah, there obviously is is uh, there's no bubble. Is this is just they're doing what they can uh, or, or what they uh, um, need to look like they're doing to to in order to to keep the the train rolling and and keep fights going. But yeah, obviously there's there's no bubble. People are catching it while they're there and they're probably spreading it around. Which which once fighters are gone, you, you probably won't hear about it unless it's a big name guy getting COVID and, and he announces it. He or she announces it. So anyhow. Um, that's the world we're living in, and I guess there's not much we can do about it. So um, I'm just glad I'm not I'm not uh, at the UFC apex at, the, at this uh, point. So I, I did very yeah I, I did very well last week. I ended up six and two with my picks. Uh, plus I hit a plus 180 underdog. So that, that really was uh, to start off the night with Jake Collier and his big boy fight with Jean Volante. So I ended up making 224 bucks last week, um, 21 and 18 overall since the podcast started. I'm still down about 117 bucks. Um, Dan had a bad week, as we mentioned. He was down like 360 bucks, about 358. This is based on 100 bucks per fight, which is the minimum. All you people, all you degenerates, should be gambling per fight, of course. Um, he's 19 and 20 on the year, and he is down 666 dollars, 666. So obviously, he's not just a bad uh bad picker he's also a devil worshiper because 666 number of the beast (laughs) well and i will say i'm really glad you brought up the jake collier fight because i want to talk about that one first i know we start with the main event or we start with like the most let's talk about jake collier that dude looks good at heavyweight right like i'm not wrong like did you watch the fight he he looked really freaking good like like i watched that fight thinking like okay here are two fat guys who are clearly going to be tired in six minutes and he was fresh in minute 15 and, like, bouncing on his toes like the middleweight he once was. I, I, I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I can't wait to see him fight again at heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, that that is quite a controversial uh, statement there. But, yeah, no, I agree. They, they both uh, – Volante didn't really look like he was gassing up too bad either. He, he looked like he was a bit lighter than, than last um, – I'm not – not can't remember what he weighed in last time he fought, but but he looked a bit bit trimmer also. Yeah, and I I did look. He he weighed twelve or thirteen pounds less than he did for the Maurice Green fight, which which definitely attributed to why he looked so much better. I I think the the surprising thing for me was is that Jake Collier only fought for forty five seconds the first time before he got knocked out by Tom Aspinall, who's like 
you know, Tom Aspinall is a good heavyweight anyway. So, like, I guess I just wrote him off as a guy who I was like, oh, whatever, he's just got real fat and he's no good anymore. But that, like, that 15 minutes, he and he didn't get any lighter for this fight. He weighed at the heavyweight maximum. This is a dude who used to weigh in at 185 looking super trim. He comes in almost at the full 265, and but he was, like, light on his feet still. So I, I'm interested in what that means, what that would mean for him fighting you know, somebody like Jorgen DeCastro, who's kind of a fun kickboxer at that level and kind of chunky too. So, I don't know, bring on the chunky guy fights, especially if they got Jake Collier in it now, because I'm into it. Yeah, there is, well, that'll actually probably be one of my uh, bullet points for this podcast, Dan's into into the chunky guys. <laughs> um, but anyhow, th- there are quite a few, um, quite a few guys that have the old Tank Abbott era physiques who are actually in the heavyweight division obviously who are actually showing they have a bit of gas uh, gas tanks uh, with them like uh, the week before we we also had a, a chunky guy fight and uh, th- those guys uh, Peter Parker Porter um, showed that he, he had a gas tank so there are quite a few guys who when you look at them don't look like athletes unless they're like offensive linemen but but they seem to have have some gas tank yeah and I'm glad you mentioned Parker Porter that actually would be a great fight Parker Porter and Jake Collier I'm into it. Let, let's let's right. book the chunky guys and let's get them back in there quick. <laughs> yes, Dan needs his chunky guy fix, guys. Um, the rest of the, that was one of the lone um, lone decision. That was that ended, ended up in a decision, right, Collier and Volante? Or did uh, he finish? There's it? one other decision on the yeah. Two other decisions on the card. Uh, yeah, and you know, it, the point being, it, it was it was an action action filled night. They still, despite having eight only eight fights and lots of finishes, they still drag it out to like one in the morning, which is always <laughs> on on the East Coast, which is always great when they do that. But um, but yeah, there was a lot of exciting fights. Uh, Ilya Tapuria, another one of my picks that beat Dan. He, he looked very good uh, destroying Damon Jackson. Um, yeah, I was surprised. About, I'm gonna stop you there for a second too. I was surprised yes. about that one just because. For me, it was like a wrestler-for-wrestler matchup, and I just thought Jackson would be more polished on the feet because Tapuria, I'd seen him on the feet before. He had looked at right, but against, like, really bad competition as far as striking goes. So I thought for sure Jackson would look better, and no, Tapuria is a problem, and it's it might be one of those things, too, where, and we talked about this on the podcast, when you pick the younger guy, the younger guy's got an advantage in, in a lot of sense when you're betting uh he's 23 he progresses way faster than damon jackson who's got way more mileage on him so i think we saw that that big jump in progression from his last fight yep younger guys are winning 61 percent of the fights this year and it's i don't have the numbers in front of me but but i believe it's a lot higher if if the gap between the edges is is a significant one but yeah he, he's definitely looking like a, a decent up-and-comer um, we won't talk about Luis Smolka beating uh, Quinones since, since we had Quinones picked as our <laughs> as our winner. Um, Jordan Levitt, that was a nasty, nasty knockout. I, I didn't like seeing that uh, handsome Matt Wyman uh, getting slam KO'd, um, especially an older guy with with gray in his hair. Who that was just a, a brutal knockout. He he probably shouldn't be fighting uh, to begin with uh, at at this stage of his life. And then, and then that happened to him. Yeah. You got to imagine that's the end too. Cause after that five year layoff, he's been back for three fights. That 22 second slam is definitely the scariest of them, but he also just got absolutely worked over against Joe Selecki for 15 minutes. And then, uh, Luis Pena got him out of there too. Like, 
you got to imagine if he is going to still fight, I can't imagine the UFC giving him any more fights, um, which is kind of sad. I, I don't really want to see him like getting knocked out by guys you've never heard of in PFL or, you know, some regional circuit fight that we we've never seen before. Like, it's probably time for Wyman, and a, a KO that bad is usually a pretty good indicator. Yeah, no doubt. Um, another up-and-comer, uh, Roman Delizzi, looked very good. He he sure talks a lot, um, and sure goes sure goes for a lot of leg locks. Um, even even when they weren't work weren't working, he was going for a lot of leg locks. But if he obviously he's he's still uh, young in his career. If he um, spurns up a little bit in the cage, he's um, he has a bright future also, despite only winning by split decision last night in a fight, <laughs> which I believe most of us had him winning three, three rounds to none. Yeah, that was, um, that was the, uh, the same judge who gave, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's the same judge that gave, um, Paul Felder the fight. Um, yes, it's yeah, true. which is just a wild set of, uh, decisions only a couple weeks apart. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Gabriel, Benitez looked very good in his fight. That was the um, knee to the solar plexus, correct? Yes, and then followed yes. it up with elbows. Yes, that that was a very nice fight, which is one of the one of the um, one of the fights we had. Right, um, Jamal Hill, who I was calling Jama Hall last week because his parents <laughs> his parents spelled his name wrong. Not, not how you not how you spell it, Jamal. No disrespect. He. Um, he was he fought OSP uh, Ovin St. Preux, who the the mainstay in the light heavyweight division. St. Preux missed weight, and he he looked in the cage. He looked like they were in to- two totally different weight classes. Um, Hill's a big guy, but but OSP is just a monster for light heavyweight. But but Hill figured out how to uh, how to um, cut cut the distance there and uh, and put him to sleep. Yeah, it was it was interesting to me too because the way that we broke that one down is we talked about how. It would be weird for Hill to fight somebody as tall as him or as long as him for the first time. And it actually seemed to be more of a problem for OSP. OSP's not used to fighting somebody almost as long as him. He did have a small advantage, but, like, having somebody even in the vicinity of being long as him, like, clearly bothered him. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Hill Hill is looking, um, looking very good. I know it's very early for him, and hopefully... OSP is a bit of a name, so hopefully this doesn't – they don't stick the rockets to him and, and blast him off, off uh, too fast and, or too high, but but he's looking like a very solid prospect in the 205-pound division for sure. Yeah, and you'd, you've got to imagine he's getting somebody ranked a little bit higher up next, which is – I mean, maybe too early, but but hey, he's 3-0. and I mean, guess, I guess he's 2-0 in, in one no contest if you want to take that – that fight away from him for getting high before the fight uh, or within the week of the fight. So, um, but three and zero in my book. So maybe it's time. Light heavyweights thin. Yeah, and there's another uh, another bullet point for me. Dan doesn't care if fighters get high for fights. So that's <laughs> another bullet point. Um, and and the main event which we got wrong. Dan got right on one of his podcasts because Dan likes to <laughs> flip flop and he can't keep his story straight he's uh he's like i said he's a fraud he, he picked victory on i believe on his top turtle podcast but then he picked hermanson on ours but he claims it's because he did extra research after we recorded but well, well to be fair we, to be fair we went to air probably six seconds after we found out it was marvin vittori <laughs> instead true. of kevin holland and i was like ah, and i tried to go based on memory but but what he proved in that fight with hermanson was 
if you want to go back and listen to me on the Top Turtle MMA podcast, um, I, I said I, I just think he's going to keep it on the feet enough. I, I don't think uh, Hermanson can get him down and keep him down, and, and that wound up being the case, right? Like, Hermanson got two takedowns, uh, but very little top control when he was there, a lot of scrambling, and, and Vittori's the better striker. That's what he proved in that fight. And, uh, I mean, apart from the third round, which I'm pretty sure most judges gave to Hermanson, he not only beat him, but he beat him ugly in a couple of those rounds. Yeah, no, uh, most definitely. Fought very smart. Um, I believe you, you predicted Hermanson would be um, just spamming the takedowns if, if things weren't weren't uh, working for him on his feet. And that's what uh, parts of this fight, uh, that's what it turned into, him him uh, desperately clinging to a single leg trying to get Vittori down, which Vittori's got very good, very good takedown defense. Um, both guys proved they have uh, impeccable chins because they, they were really slugging it out. It was, it was quite a fun fight, but um, I don't think Hermanson really hurt his stock at all. He's, he's still uh, probably not a, a top shelf elite title contender, but he, he proved he's still uh, ranked uh, ranking worthy fighter. And Vittori's definitely, definitely on the come up, come up after, after that fight. Yeah. I think Vittori is probably, and this is kind of weird because he was number 13 before this fight. I think he's probably on the short list of people for Idesanya to fight next. Because, yeah, you could do the Whitaker rematch, but, like, people don't love rematches. They don't sell as well unless there's, like, bad blood. And clearly there's no bad blood or controversial end to, to Whitaker, Idesanya 1. And Vittori has a, a fight with Idesanya 2. That's a rematch, but a much closer split decision rematch. Um, and, and a granite one that has a little bit more time in between it as well. So I think he's probably on the short list of guys who, who could get an Idesanya fight in the near future. Which is which is good. We uh, Adesanya needs needs middleweight uh, middleweight contenders other than Robert Robert Whitaker, who who's he's already fought, and people don't at least the powers of be don't seem to be clamoring to to get that fight uh, get that fight um, run again. So yeah, that's a very good point, and um, I believe there's a little bit of bad blood between the between the two guys too. Um, they they both aren't shy of um, of uh, talking some smack, so they could. Uh, they could uh, hype up a, a rematch between them very easily. Yeah, and, and to be fair, it seems like there's bad blood between uh, Marvin Vittori and just about everybody, though. <laughs> it's true. Yes, it, the Italian dream is is not uh, is no uh, shrinking violet, that's for sure. Um, so that wraps up last week. A very profitable week for me and and for my acolytes who who listen to me, and hopefully none of you listen to Dan, which I, I warned you in advance not to listen to Dan, but hopefully hopefully most of you have have paid attention. He's he's basically just here to to eat up time because I I can't talk for 45 minutes straight myself. I'm kidding, of course. I love Dan. He's the greatest. So um, before we, we hit. Um, this week's pay-per-view, which is a fire emoji pay-per-view, it's a, a going doing the research on this card. It's like wow, that this fights. I was like shocked at at how many amazing fights are, are on this card. Um, before that, let's tell you about our good friends at my bookie. It's the most wonderful time of a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. You can bet NFL, NBA, which is starting back up uh, already, um, all your favorite college sports and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code SGP, 
and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. So head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021. Holy moly, we're 2021 already uh, with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie at mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. All right. Um, do you agree w- with my statement about this this uh, upcoming fight card being a fire emoji fight card, Dan? Absolutely. And, and it's weird, too, because it's, it's certainly not for those who uh, need – high-profile names up and down the card all the way because because the I mean like I'll, I'll just mention the one that sticks out to me the third fight from the top is Hanato Moicano and Rafael Fiziev which we'll obviously get into later and that is such a freaking fun fight uh and, and like yeah okay so you're you're gonna get some like lesser known guys on the the prelims but the even those stylistic matchups on this one are a a nightmare to pick and b very very fun fights when they get in that cage Right, we're we're headlined by a, another flyweight title fight, which people outside of Dan and myself seem to not like the flyweights, but um, we love the flyweights in this podcast. So let that be known. Um, so you're not may not get the casuals um, casuals in in for this pay per view, but anyone listening is not a casual. You're a a hardcore degenerate. So um, and if if you're a fight connoisseur, um, there I don't think there's a there's a dud on this on this lineup. It's all killer, no filler. So let's um, let's get right to it with the prelims, which will be on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass. Uh, first fight, um, very good one. Featherweight battle between two uh, up and coming dudes, uh, Chase Hooper and Peter Barrett. Um, Hooper, actually, we'll start with Barrett, uh, the underdog. Barrett uh, dropped his UFC debut after winning his way onto the big stage through Dana White's contender series, which is basically the main feeder system. It seems at, at this point for, uh, for prospects to get into, into the UFC. Um, he is a very large plus three Oh five dog, uh, to chase Hooper, who is a very exciting prospect. Obviously when, when you look at the, uh, at the line on this one, he's nine, one, one in his uh, professional career, uh, one, one in the UFC after dropping his last fight, um, he's 13 years younger than Barrett, so I shouldn't say they're both young up-and-comers, but uh, Hooper is is especially young and up-and-coming. Um, he's also a bigger man, uh, three inches taller, only one-inch reach uh, advantage, though. Um, of his nine pro wins, three via KO, four via submission. Um, KO is kind of surprising when, when you think of him more of a, of a submission guy, but he's a finisher nonetheless. He's a big minus 380 favorite in this one. I will be... Uh, Taking him, I'm uh, not sure about a line that, that big, but but he's uh, he's my pick. I'm not sure about the line that big, too, but I think you could probably, if you're you're going prop here, I think you could probably find Chase Hooper in here somewhere uh, for a finish. You know, like, I, I think this, this fight probably gets finished by him, and you can get a number that looks a little bit nicer um, if you want to, you know, get a little bold. I'd, I'd say probably submission. The, the problem with Peter Barrett, too, and the, the reason this fight is so easy for me to call or – you know, seemingly easy for me to call, is that Barrett, uh, yeah, he gave up a lot of takedowns to Yusuf Zalal in his debut, who obviously Zalal is pretty damn good. But also, if you look at him in the regional scene, too, that, that that's a, a story that has continued to be told about Peter Barrett. Peter Barrett gives up some takedowns. He cracks well on the feet. But uh, Chase Hooper, the, the story is out on him, right? Like, we watched him fight Alex Caceres. If you can stop his takedowns, he's probably not that good on the feet. And I just don't think Peter Barrett can, which means he's going to have to grapple with Chase Hooper. And I don't think it goes well. Right. With a name like slippery Pete, you would think he would be um, good at slip 
been out of takedowns and 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 whatnot, but apparently he's not. And half of his his four pro losses have come via submission. He's been tapped out twice. Um, and at at age 34, it's he's basically a, a journeyman getting getting a shot at at the big time. Um, like like you said, he lost to Yusuf Zalal. Um, we both uh, he has extensive experience in in cage cage fighting. So, he has fought mostly all of his fights were in cage uh, cage titans so he he has fought some uh on the bigger bigger stage but yeah i we both don't see him uh losing to the wonder kid uh chase super so we'll agree on that one uh next fight um it is welterweight the leech li jingliang versus dwight grant um We'll we'll start with the underdog Grant. Um, he's right now he's at plus 170. All these odds courtesy of my bookie, obviously, um, as of this recording. Um, so Dwight Grant, he will be the bigger man in this fight. He's uh, inch taller, but five inches of reach, which will be an advantage for him. Uh, he's got the grappling stats in his favor. Um, for the stats, I am going off of uh, I believe the site's called UFCStats.com now. It used to be called Fight Metric. Um, he is a uh, pedestrian 2-2 two two in the UFC, and like I said, he's a plus-170 dog at this point to uh, Jing Liang, who will be four years younger. Uh, he's got 17 pro wins, seven via KO, five via submission, so he's a bit of a finisher himself, um, pretty well-rounded also. Uh, only 3-2 and two in his last five UFC fights. He's minus 210 on the, on the board. Your thoughts? I love Li Jingliang in this fight. I think it's a pretty clear pick for me in this one. The dude is a phenomenal wrestler. Like, if, if you watched his last fight uh, with Neil Magny, he, like, went toe-to-toe with Neil Magny in Neil Magny's best way. Like, Neil Magny likes to get you up against the cage, grapple you up, try to take you down. He actually got Magny down a couple of times that way. And he didn't hold him down, and he didn't keep him down, but, like, he got Neil Magny down, so that's pretty damn impressive. And really, I think he probably would have even later into the fight had Magny not just absolutely poured on volume, which seems to be the way to beat Lee Jingliang, right? It's like to have tons and tons of volume. Jake Matthews did it. Neil Magny poured it on. Like, you can go back a little bit further and find some other fights where he lost with guys just throwing tons of punches too. But, like, that's not Dwight Grant. Dwight Grant just fought, uh, I mean, like, his last win is against Alan Joban, where I think he landed 30 punches the whole fight, and it was a decision. So, like, we're used to seeing, you know, Dwight Grant kind of just, like, okay with whatever's happening, not leading the dance, countering. And I think in this case, that's going to mean he's on the back foot a lot, he's going to be up against the cage a lot, and he's probably going to get worn out fighting somebody like Lee Jinglan. Right, Grant only lands a uh, little over three significant strikes uh, per minute, at only uh, 37% accuracy. Um, so, Xing Liang uh, lands almost five strikes per minute. So he's definitely more active, and and um, that path to victory that you just uh, described is basically not not in Grant's makeup. So, uh, another boring one. We're both we're both picking this this same guy here, but I'm sure we'll. we'll some point coming up. Uh, moving on to middleweights, Carl Robertson, Dolce Lungi. Easy for me to say. Um, what are you laughing at? I say, uh, who's who's the guy's name? Who uh, Daniel? He used to be the. Um, oh, you mean Daniel Cormier? Oh, now you can say Cormier properly. <laughs> All right. The Canadian I, guy I doesn't like when I say Cormier. <laughs> Cormier. Anywho, um, on to this fight, um, Dolce will be the bigger man. He's got two inches on Robertson. Uh, he's one one in the UFC. 
he is a plus 215 dog, so oh, we got some sizable dogs uh, in the first three fights here. Um, Carl Robertson, he's five inches taller, so it's um, he, he has uh, he's given up two inches of reach, but he's five inches taller, which is interesting. Uh, three years younger, striking stats are in his favor, and striking stats are still um, the leading predictor of of uh, winning fighter. It's we're at about seventy percent of fighters who have the superior striking stats leading into a fight win this year. So that's that's a big uh, big feather in his cap there. Uh, he's four and three in the UFC overall. He's got nine pro wins, two KOs, four submissions. He's minus two seventy five favorite. Uh, I will be taking the chalk in this one once again. Yeah, kind of boring that we're going with chalk three in a row. Yeah, uh, but but like I, I don't see a good path here for Lugiambula, and the reason most. By the way, that's how you say it, Lugiambula. Yeah, you said it. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah, so beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I don't really like him in this fight for for multiple reasons. Number one. And, and probably most importantly, he's coming down to middleweight for this fight. And I don't know where the hell he's losing 20 extra pounds on that body. He's going to have to cut his leg off in order to make 185 for this fight. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I do know there's no way after sucking himself down to 185 pounds, he's going to have the energy to work those muscles uh, for an entire 15 minutes. And Roberson is a dude who who's notoriously durable. And, and if you look at Roberson's fights too in the UFC, the only fights he's losing are ones where guys out-wrestled him and out-grappled him, right? Like he lost to Marvin Vittori, which obviously now looks like a fine loss for somebody to have. He lost to Glover Teixeira, which also now looking back is a fine loss to have. And then like, if you go way back, he lost to Cesar Ferreira. All three of those by choke, all, all three of those rear naked choke and two arm triangle chokes, Guys taking him down, guys beating him up on the ground. I just don't see that as a path that Lugiambula can take. Obviously, he's got a little bit of judo in his background, but, like, this is a fight that's going to take place on the feet. I imagine as long as Roberson puts him up against the cage for 35 seconds, Lugiambula is going to be so tired. So I'm going to take Roberson getting, like, a late finish here when when he just can't stand anymore. There we go. Um, now, Dan... Uh, Dan's ears are going to perk up here. We got a heavyweight fight. Yes. And both these guys are a little, they're a little softer around the midsection. So the chunky not, boys. Not, <laughs> yes. They're not, not good. Hashtag chunky boys. Let's get that tried. Uh, they're not going to win Mr. Olympia, but that doesn't mean that they, they can't crack hearts. So it's uh, Sergey Spivak versus uh, Jared Vander. Is it Vander A? Vander A? I think it's Vandera, but I could be Vandera, wrong. Vandera, even better. We'll call him the mountain, which is his nickname. He is a, um, like I said, he, he will make, be making his debut. Uh, he's another one of the uh, graduates from Dana White's Contender Series. Um, he won on that. He's won two straight fights. 5-1 um, as a pro. He'll be the bigger man here. Uh, inch of height, two inches of reach. No, sorry, he's he's 5-1 and one in his last six. Uh, as a pro, he's got a 11 wins, 7 via knockout, 3 via submission. So he's a finishing machine. Uh, but he's the dog here, plus 185. Uh, his opponent, Sergey Spivak's uh, very nice 11-2. and two. Uh, He was 9-0 and oh heading into the UFC. He's uh, He's gone 2-2 two two since being in there, and he's been uh, very inconsistent. Uh, he's been consistently inconsistent. Uh, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, uh, back and forth. Um, and I believe he won his last fight, so maybe he's due for a loss. Um, he's three years younger here. He is a quite sizable minus 225 favorite. I am taking the chalk again but i'm not super super set on this one I, i'm gonna go chalk again too boring we're gonna take uh chalk on the first four but i will say this 
I'm actually higher on Spivak here instead, as higher than you are at least, because I, I like Vandera. I think he's good, but if you look at most of his fights, they're short. They're really short. Um, and if you look at Spivak's record, Spivak has gone the distance a few times. Spivak goes deep into fights. He fought Carlos Felipe for 15 minutes. He fought Marcin Tybura for 15 minutes. He fought Tai Tuivasa for a round and a half. You know, like, he's a guy who, who can go deeper into fights. And I will say in that Felipe fight that he won, his pace was really solid in that fight, even late into the fight. He, he keeps up a really nice pace. So, uh, you know, you, you got a guy coming off the Contender Series who looked... I mean, he looked all right in the Contender Series. I wasn't super sold that they'd give him a contract if he wasn't a heavyweight. Uh, but that being said, like, I worry a lot about his gas tank. I worry a lot about his ability to keep up. And I think this is a not-so-good opponent for him to be fighting in that case um, with, you know, just cage work and, and takedowns being mixed in there. I like Spivak in this fight a lot. Yeah, we should mention that uh, Spivak's only two um, pro losses are to uh, Tibera and Walt Harris, so no no shame in that at all. Um, and he is nicknamed the polar bear, so we're picking the polar bear to beat a mountain uh, in in this fight. So I don't know if that would play out in, in real life, but that's how how uh, we're going to go with it in the fight game here. Um, which brings us, I believe, to our last fight on the prelims. This is not only is this a quality card; it's a, it's a quantity card. There's 14 fights in here. Um, this is another uh, hashtag, I mean, uh, emoji fire emoji uh, fight featherweights. Gavin Tucker, a fellow Canadian, versus Billy Quarantillo. Um, let's look to the stats here. Uh, we'll start with uh, my fellow Canadian um, Tucker, 12 and one as a pro. Uh, four knockouts, six submissions. So another another finisher here. Uh, he's won two straight fights via via submission. He's three and one in the UFC. Um, he's currently at minus one fifteen. This fight is is a pick'em currently. They're both at minus one fifteen. Uh, Quarantillo three and zero in the UFC. Um, he's won eight straight fights in the past four years since 2016. Um, as a pro, he's 15 wins, six knockouts, five submissions. Another good finisher. He will be the bigger man and the younger man here. He's uh, four inches of height, four inches of reach. Two years younger. When you look at their uh, fight metric stats, he's got striking and grappling in his favor. Um, I will be taking him as uh, as a pick him in this one. I'm going to go opposite in you on this one. Right. And, and, and of go. course, neither of us are pick, picking dogs here in the fight that we go opposite because it is a pick him. No, of course. But I'm going to take Gavin Tucker just because, you, you know, you look back at Gavin Tucker's record. You, you know, you mentioned he's on a two-fight winning streak. He lost to Rick Glenn before that. He lost – or he beat Sam Cecilia before that. But that, there was a two – year layoff, I believe, in between the Glenn and the Sungwoo Choi uh, fight that he had in 2019. And in that time, I think he just realized it's stupid to be a slugger to the level he used to be. Like, he went into that Rick Glenn fight and the one before that with Sam Cecilia just being like, cool, I'm a guy who drives stakes into the tops of his feet and just sits there and throws like a rock'em sock'em robot. And then he came back from that huge layoff and all of a sudden... He's got great takedowns. He's got really solid positioning on top, and he's got a good submission game. And while Quarantillo looks good on the ground, and, you know, he's got a triangle choke finish, and, you know, he, he looked good on the ground against Spike Carlisle, he does give up takedowns, too. Camuela Kirk on Contender Series took him down twice. Uh, Spike Carlisle, who is, like, not a guy who shoots takedowns, took him down three times. I'm a little bit worried that he winds up on the bottom here, and I actually don't think his subgame is good enough to catch somebody like Gavin Tucker off the bottom or on a on a transition for a guillotine. So I, I actually like Gavin Tucker here 
um, from a grappling standpoint, which is crazy because this fight would be so much fun if it stayed on the feet. But I actually think uh, uh, Tucker is going to grind him out here. All right, excellent. Um, you're going with the Canadian. I, I am being the traitor and um, committing treason, and I will, I will go uh, with the with the American. So there you go. So that that um, th- that is just the early prelims. That's uh like that's a pretty solid uh, card right there as as we speak. So um, moving on to the regular prelims in one sec. First, uh, let me tell you about our good friends at Thrive Fantasy. Uh, come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Just in time for the holidays, we're teaming up with Thrive Fantasy for an awesome SGP merch bundle. Send in a screenshot of you joining Thrive Fantasy with promo code SGP, and you'll have a chance to win $100 in Sports Gambling Podcast merch. So email your screenshot to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. So with Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact in the game. If you want to play NFL, you choose 10 out of the 20 available player props and build your lineup going to choose nba pga baseball when it's back on esports uh, you choose five out of the ten available player props to build your lineup each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit hit the most props or rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool they have over fifty thousand guaranteed prizes every week and they've ordered over 1.6 million in cash prizes so use promo code sgp when you sign up today and you receive an instant match up to $50 in your first deposit with four times rollover. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. And don't forget our promo code, which would be SGP. All right, the prelims, which are also on ESPN Plus as well as uh, on ESPN2. Uh, finally, the women get some uh, get some shine here. The only women's fight last week was canceled, so hopefully these these two uh, stick around. Uh, we got two back-to-back women's strawweight fights here. Uh, first one will be Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill, which is another uh, very interesting matchup. Um, we will go with Torres first. She is four years the junior, even though she seems like she's been around forever. She will be the younger uh, combatant here. Um, she's won her last fight, but before that, she is uh, she dropped four straight. So she was um, on her last legs. Um, basically, saved probably probably saved her spot in the in the promotion with her win last fight. Um, if you're thinking of picking her. Um, Interesting or a, a interesting stat to, to know is she's only got one finish on her in her pro career. So if you want to go with her, you definitely uh, would probably want to take her via decision. Uh, right now she's at minus 110 to win the fight outright. Uh, as for Angela Overkill Hale, who seems to fight every couple weeks, um, two inches of height, four inches of reach, so she will be the bigger fighter. She's got the striking and the grappling stats in her favor. She's dropped her last two fights. Um, before, uh, before that, she ran off three straight wins. Uh, she's at minus 120. Um, your thoughts, Dan? I'm going to go with the underdog in this one. So we, we started chalk. I'm going to get off the chalk for, for quite a while here, I think. I, I like Tisha Torres here. For, for those of you who, who remember way back, this is actually a rematch, too. These two fought at UFC 188 in 2015. Granted, they're very different fighters now. Um, but like, you know, like you mentioned, I think the reason Tisha Torres comes in here as an underdog is that she did have four losses in a row. And that's scary to anybody who's thinking about picking her. But remember who those four losses are to. Champ, Jessica Andrade. Champ, Ioana Janjacek. Champ, Weili Zhang. And then Marina Rodriguez, who's a top 10 fighter too. And if you go back, she actually lost to the other uh, UFC strawweight champ as well, Rose Namajunas. 
those are her five losses in the UFC or five losses in her career. That that's a hell of a list of people to have on there. And she actually, if you go back to, she has a win over Rose Namajunas. I think in this fight, she's the type of person who can keep the pressure up on Angela Hill enough. And I also just don't think Angela Hill's grappling or strength is a big enough gap here to make up the difference in the striking in terms of of the volume and the, the precision that uh, I think Tisha Torres has. Again, you mentioned that those stats tend to lean in the favor of Angela Hill. I think some of that, too, is probably, in this case, based on who they fought, right? Like, it's not easy to hit Joanna Janjacek over 15 minutes. It's not easy to hit Weili Zhang. Whereas Angela Hill's, uh, you know, numbers are coming against Hannah Cyphers and Ariane Carnalosi and, like, you know, Jody Escabel. Like, yeah, of course, your, your stats are going to look a little bit better when those are the people you fought. So, in this case, I actually think Tisha Torres, especially in how she looked against Brianna Van Buren, I think there's reason to be optimistic about her chances here against Angela Hill. And at plus money, I like it too. Okay, well, I, I'm taking Hill. So obviously everyone take Hill also if you want to, if you want to win money, uh, as, as we've proven in the past. I uh, have, have the track record. Uh, despite everything Dan said might be true, it, it won't play out on Saturday. So that's just the way it works. So uh, another, another fun one here, uh, women's strawweight. Um, Another women's strawweight fight, like I, I said on the on the jump, Mackenzie Duran versus Verna Jandaroba. This will another very very interesting uh, very interesting matchup here. Um, looking at the stats, where are we? Here we are. Um, we've got Dern. We'll start with Dern. She is uh, inch taller, but Jandaroba's got an inch of reach. So basically, they're they're the same size. Um, she's five years younger. Um, she's nine and one as a pro. Uh, she's got six submission wins, uh, so she is a before moving into MMA, she was a jujitsu master. Um, she's four and one in the UFC. She's won two straight fights via submission um, after dropping her only pro fight uh, three fights ago. Um, she's minus 180 favorite in this one. Jen Roba has looked very good in the UFC uh, since uh, coming in. She's got the grappling stats in her favor. Um, she's 2-1 and one in the UFC. Her only loss came to former champ Carla Esparza, so no shame in that. That's basically her only fight. Uh, not basically. It's actually her only loss as a pro. She's 16-1 and one as a pro. 13 submissions. So this is, uh, this is a, um, a battle between two submission masters. Uh, she's a plus 150 Favorite, uh, I'm going with Dern, um, more than likely with this being a battle of submission experts, we're going to have like a, a very boring striking fight. Yeah, but here's the thing I will say, if this does turn into that type of fight, if it is a very boring striking fight instead of the grappling match we all have come to want, I actually think Jandaroba wins this fight. Like I think Jandaroba, I'm actually going to take her straight up. I'll take Jandaroba in this fight against Mackenzie Dern which might be sacrilege to the to the BJJ community here. But Janda Roba has the ability to stuff Mackenzie Dern if she wants a takedown. Mackenzie Dern is not going to get a takedown here in this fight. That, that's going to be my prop bet. I don't know if you can find a prop bet for that on my bookie. But my my prop bet here is Dern does not get a takedown. Uh, Janda Roba stuffed Carla Esparza a bunch of times. And, and for that, like you got to love her chances to stuff Mackenzie Dern because her takedowns are trash. She's great once it gets to the ground, and actually that's the only path to victory I see here for Dern. Jandaroba's got to take her down, which, I mean, like, we, it seems like such a dumb thing to say. Like, she has to let somebody take her down, which her last two opponents have done, right? Like, Hannah Cypher's doing better on the feet. Uh, you know, Random Argos doing better on the feet. And then, like, both of them just inexplicably jumped into the ground game with, with Mackenzie Dern. 
The difference here, though, is that I think if Jandaroba went to the mat with Dern, I think she'd survive. Like, she's so good at jujitsu that I, I don't know that Dern gets her out of there. And with that being said, she can survive one or two of those dumb slip-ups and then win enough of a striking battle here to take a decision. I think regardless of who you're going to take here, though, I think the prop for this fight going the distance is probably pretty smart. Yeah, no doubt. So I... um there we go. We've uh, two straight. We've or three straight. We've gone against each other. So that's good. Um, like to see that. This actually, this card actually was. I just noticed the fight got pulled, um, which would have made it even stronger. We were going to have a, a women's flyweight belt between Jillian Robertson and Andrea Lee, which was another awesome matchup. But um, Lee's got a broken nose, so apparently uh, Robertson will be fighting in a uh, in a week or so against a different opponent. So we will be talking about that at that time. Um, the only other prelim uh, fight at this point on the main prelim card, probably one of the original fights we went through will we'll get bumped up, is a featherweight fight between Cub Swanson, the returning Cub Swanson, and Daniel Pineda. Um, Pineda, two years younger than Swanson. He's two and three in his last five. Um, he's just basically got re-signed by the UFC after being cut. Um, he, he had a run in the UFC previously, um, and he won his most recent fight. As a pro, uh, he's been around forever. He's got 27 wins. Um, all of them finishes, which is crazy. Nine knockouts, 18 submissions. So that's that's very impressive. Uh, he's minus 135 favorite in this one. Uh, Cub Swanson, who looked very good in his last fight, um, which was way over, which was over a year ago, it was October 2019 when he beat uh, Crow and Gracie. Um, he will be slightly bigger, uh, inch of height, inch of reach, so not much difference here. It's basically a wash. Striking stats are in his favor. Um, like I said, his his win last year over Gracie was his only win in his last five fights. Uh, he's plus 105. Dog in this one. Um, he looks so good his last fight. I'm I'm gonna take him for plus money here. Oh, interesting. So you're uh, and, and you know, I actually see a, a pretty pretty compelling picture to take the plus money here too with Swanson. But I, I'm gonna go with Pineda and I just think you know like you're right. Cub Swanson looked really good stuffing Cron Gracie's takedowns and outstriking Cron Gracie. But the uh, Cron Gracie is just like Mackenzie Dern in that his jiu-jitsu, phenomenal. His takedowns, meh, not so much, right? So with Pineda, Pineda's like a lifelong wrestler. Pineda's got a similar ground game to Cron Gracie. Do I think he will definitely get him down? Uh, I'm not sure, but like, the fights against, he had against Jeremy Kennedy and um, a couple other fighters in the PFL there actually give me a lot of faith in, in Pineda because while he wasn't in the UFC, I think he was around the UFC long enough uh, or around UFC level type fighters in Bellator and PFL long enough that it's not really a big gap in his competition. So I, I'm going to go chalk here. I'm going to take Pineda. Okay, interesting. So let's go. That is what? four straight that we've uh, differed on. So that's four more wins for, for me um, to, to pad my lead for, for the year, which, which means Dan will be getting a face tattoo in a few weeks. Cause I believe, I believe we agreed to that on episode one. And I, uh, I'm pretty sure you agreed to it. Correct. I, I don't, I don't recall. We'll have to go back and check. The no, <laughs> we'll, we'll cover, the production assistant will have to go back and check for us. But uh, in the meantime, we will move on to the uh, pay-per-view portion, which is also uh a, a stacked uh, stacked lineup. Uh, this, like I said, this, this card is is fantastic, top to bottom. Before we get to that, let's tell you about Ace Per Head. Have you ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how? Ace Per Head is there to help you. They'll provide you with the all-inclusive 
professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Per Head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. So get started today, and Ace is offering you up to six weeks free. Go to aceperhead.com backslash SGP, aceperhead.com backslash SGP. All right, on to the business of the main card. Um, heavyweights, they're not chunky guys, though, but, but they, they are big boys. Um, Junior Dos Santos, former champ, uh, legend of the sport, versus a Cyril Gain. Um, in, an up-and-comer who, who's looked very good um, since he's uh, since he's been in the UFC. Uh, we will start with uh, JDS. He's dropped all his last three fights, all of them via TKO. So he's uh, not looked so good, which would explain why he's a huge plus 325 uh, dog in this one. I didn't check, but that could be the largest dog he, he's ever been. Um, I, I may have the uh, our production assistant check that for us, but um, he, he is a, quite a huge dog here. Uh, Gain will be the bigger man. He's got four inches of reach. He's also six years younger. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor. Um, six and zero as a pro, so he's um, very inexperienced compared to JDS. Uh, but he's got two knockouts, three submissions, minus four twenty-five favorite. Um, like I said, don't know about the a line that big, especially in the heavyweight fight. But I will, I will be taking him. Uh, he will be my pick. Yeah, I'm going to take on too. And to answer your question before, if it's the biggest underdog JDS has ever been, it is the biggest he has ever been. If you do not count his UFC debut where he fought uh, Fabrizio Verdum, so uh, he he fought Fabrizio Verdum kind of on short notice, uh, and the, that line opened at plus 500 and closed at plus 270, which is almost the same as here. And, of course, obviously, JDS won that fight by a pretty brutal uppercut, and his career got launched in an emphatic way. But, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I think this is a closer fight than we're seeing the odds at, too. But, you know, you've got a guy who's got good knockout power. You've got a guy who's been knocked out a bunch and is seemingly on the downslope of his career. You know, young guy on the way up. You know, old guy on the way down. You take the young guy on the way up. And, and again, I don't like the odds on this. This is a fight I would try to stay away from. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to take Gon. Yeah, once uh, one um, other than death and taxes, one um, other uh, certainty in life is is once a guy loses his chin, it, it's not coming back. And J- JDS could be, could be at that point in his career after all the battles he's been through. For sure, yeah. I, I think, and it's it's unfair to say that his chin is gone, especially b- being as the people who he's been knocked out with. But that shit is that shit is cumulative, right? Like you don't get knocked out by Francis Naganu, and then you're like, well, I mean, that was Francis Naganu, so now I don't get knocked out by other people. No, it's it's just gonna keep racking up. And then he got knocked out by Rosenstroik, who hits like a Mack truck too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have good things to say about his chin. Yeah, no. Uh, once you lose your chin, especially in heavyweight, that's uh, you, you should you should uh, pack them up. That's easy for me to say. Um, we move on to middleweights. A very another very interesting matchup. Like a, a, I know I've put over this card um, big time, but yeah, this is a lot of intriguing matchups here. Uh, we got Kevin Holland, uh, who was supposed to fight on last week's card, but he caught a uh, caught COVID. Uh, surprisingly, someone catching it in the middle, uh, who's trying to fight in the middle of a pandemic. Amazing that people who are out and about are catching uh, catching this still. It's shocking, but regardless, uh, he will be fighting uh, Jacare Souza, the the legend uh, in the sport. We'll start with the legend first. Um, 26 wins as a pro, eight KOs, 14 submissions. Um, 
in a, on a bit of a slide though. He's dropped his last two. He's won one of his last four and two of his last six. So uh, he could be on his way out also. Um, grappling stats and just uh, basic common uh, common sense. Grappling will be in his favor. Um, that's what he's that's what he's best at. Uh, plus one forty dog in this one. Holland uh, twenty wins already in his young career. Uh, half of them via knockout and six via submission. He's won four straight. Um, He's definitely streaking. Um, he's he'll be the bigger man here. Two inches of height, nine inches of reach. Uh, striking stats in his favor. Uh, he's minus 152. Uh, of note, these these are not on these lines are not on my book yet because this fight was uh, it, it's been made for a while. I'm not sure why they haven't haven't posted lines yet. But um, Paul, yeah, Holland, like I said, he he got COVID. He which fairly recently, like within the past week and a bit. So um, I guess they're assuming he's going to be back and uh, better than ever come next Saturday. So I'll, I'll be picking him, but it's it's a little uh, little um, little hesitant taking a guy um, coming off, uh, coming back from COVID this, this soon, especially against a guy like Chakra. But I think Chakra may uh, be on his way out. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about Jacare maybe being on his way out. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm a, a huge Jacare Souza mark. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of what he's done. But if if you look back at those fights that you, you're saying he lost, he did lose to Jan Blankovic. That is 100% true. He lost to Jan Blankovic in his last fight by split decision. One judge gave it to him. And as a matter of fact, if it was a three-round fight, all three judges would have given it to him. Because every single one of those judges gave him rounds one and two. And that's against the light heavyweight champ of the world right now. Uh, and not, not only did he go in there and fight the light heavyweight champ of the world, he did for 25 minutes and didn't get knocked out. I'm not sure that Kevin Holland is the type of person here who can put together a good enough 15 minutes to win a decision over Jacare here, right? Like, if if Jacare wants to shoot the takedown and get it, he's going to have it. Like, that, that takedown is there because Kevin Holland is not great at stuffing a takedown, right? Like, how long was he underneath uh, Tiago Santos when he fought Tiago Santos? Like, he, he got that takedown, and he, like, sort of tried to work off his back, but not really. The guy gave up three takedowns to Darren Stewart, who's a British boxer. Like, uh, I think Jacare would be really smart to come out and use that. But even if he doesn't, I think he probably wins uh, enough of the early rounds here that I, I got him go over Kevin Holland. I'm going to take the plus money here with the legend. All right, interesting. So it's uh, I'm doing what um, what you did last fight. I'm I'm taking the uh, younger up and coming guy uh, against the. Actually, I I don't think he's younger, is he? I think they may be the, is, the is same. Is Kevin age, Holland as old as Jacques? That no, can't he, be true. he can't be. I, I, he can't be. I, I must not have. Uh, I, I think I must not have. Uh, oh no, he's twelve. That. He's twelve years. Yeah, younger. he's 12, he's thirteen years younger, even less. Okay, thirteen years younger. So yeah, I, I'm far more. Um, far more confident in my pick than um holland over 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 Sousa, so i'm gonna stick with that um moving on to a fight which you mentioned in the in the lead up to this uh lightweights these guys were supposed to fight a few weeks ago um hanato moikano rafael fiziev um we've got moikano three inches taller one inch of reach striking stats in his favor uh only one in two in his last three fights uh three and two in his last five of his 14 pro wins, half have come via submission. He's a slight plus 110 dog in this one. Fiziev will is four years younger, uh, two and one in the UFC. 
Uh, he is 8-1 as a pro, 5 KOs, 1 submission. He's won two straight fights after dropping his UFC debut. He's at minus 140. I will be picking another underdog here. i got to have at least a couple dogs in this one, so I'll be going with Moicano. I'm going to ride with you on Moicano too here because, you know, like you said, the striking stats are in his favor. And also, and I mentioned this in the, the Angela Hill, Tisha Torres fight, sometimes it matters who those are against too, right? And when you're looking at Hanato Moicano's strength of opponents, the guy fought everybody. Like, literally everybody in that, that featherweight division. The dude fought Korean Zombie, Jose Aldo, Cub Swanson, Calvin Cater, Brian Ortega, Jeremy Stevens. Like, the dude just fought, like, a murder's row of, of featherweight fighters, and he did really well. Like, he choked out Cub Swanson. He absolutely took it to Calvin Cater, who's about to fight Max Holloway. He's done so good since then. Like, and not for anything in that fight with Jose Aldo, he did get beat in the second round. I had him win in the first round. I actually think he looked better against Aldo in the first round than Aldo looked. So, like, he's a guy who I think the, the cut to 145 was holding him back a little bit. And now that he's up, you know, he's going to have a grappling advantage here, too, being that he's fighting a, you know, a kickboxer. Um, and I don't think the difference in striking is all that much if if it's not in already leaning in Moicano's favor. So, um, it's a close fight for sure, but I like Moicano in this one. Why do you think he's he's the underdog on the board at this point? It's interesting. I, I think he's probably the underdog being that uh, Fiziev was like, he got like all kinds of fun highlights out of his last fight, um, the one with Mark Diacasey. Um He did that like matrix spin away from a Mark Diacasey kick and everybody's like, wow, he's crazy long and he's good. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think Fiziev's a really good striker. I just think, you know, like Moicano's a guy who does all the fundamental things right at striking and also is going to have a height advantage here, going to have a length advantage, despite the fact he's coming up a weight class. And, and in general, too, despite the fact that he's fought way higher level of competition, when you look at Moicano's record and you're like, oh, you know, he's he's lost two of his last three or he's lost three of his last six, like not always do people take into the account that he was beating Brian Ortega. He, you know, he took two rounds off of Brian Ortega and then got submitted. You know, he took a round off of Jose Aldo, in my opinion, and then got knocked out. So, like, he, I don't think Fiziev is going to go in there and knock him out. And if he doesn't, like, I don't know about three rounds with Hanato Moicano because other people have not been that good at winning rounds off of him. Right. So we are both going with with uh, Moicano. Um, and that's a good lesson there. Um, when you're betting fights, a lot of times the, the sizzle or a guy's highlight reel can – can go into um, into what the line in his in his next fight um, next fight is because a, a lot of the quote unquote casuals um, get to, get to know these these guys through their their highlights if they make ESPN and stuff and and bet the guy and then that can that can alter the line so that could be the case here in this fight and moving on to the co-main event another uh, amazing matchup lightweights Tony Ferguson is back he will be fighting. Uh, Charles Oliveira, who's finally getting a, a big-name opponent. Um, may not work out too well for him, though. Um, Ferguson had 12 straight wins um, before getting pieced up by Justin Gaethje his last fight. Uh, he's basically the... the of, of all the fighters with bad luck, he, he probably pretty much has the worst. Um, 12 straight wins and didn't get an official uh, UFC title fight or a fight against Habib uh, due to various strange um strange uh issues mostly 
probably caused by voodoo and black magic uh, against him because of, no other explanation for it. Um, so he's 12 and one in his last 13, like I said, uh, 25 wins as a pro, uh, 12 knockouts, eight submissions. Uh, he will be the bigger man here. He's got inch of height, two inches of reach. He's minus 170 favorite. Uh, Dolph Bronx, Dolph Bronx is got 29 wins as a pro, eight knockouts, 19 submissions. So he's finished all his fights, but two. Um, he's won seven straight. He is streaking all seven via via finish. Uh, he'll be the younger man by five years in this one. He's got the grappling stats in his favor. He's a plus 140 um, dog in this one. Um, he's finally getting a big step up in competition and a big fight. Uh, what do you? How do you think he's gonna gonna do in this one? I don't think good. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think good. And and it's sort of because I think he got probably one of the worst people towards the top of the division that he could get. Um, as far as him stylistically, right? Like he's a guy who likes to grapple and and has you know pretty good boxing. You know he's got adequate boxing for what he needs to get done, and it leads him to all of his good submission skills. He's fighting a, an absolute savage who who's got 150 Darius chokes on his record, and, and like counters grappling really well. And I'm not saying that Tony Ferguson's going to have a grappling advantage on him here, but you know the fact that I think Tony Ferguson can at least neutralize uh, that grappling, and I think he's got an enormous advantage on the feet. Um, I, I just see Tony Ferguson turning. Uh, Charles Oliveira's face into, you know, those memes of what happens when you fight Tony Ferguson. And I, I just don't, I don't see it going well for him here. So yeah, I, I like Tony Ferguson here. Um, I'm not sure how he gets it done because he can certainly get it done a number of ways, but I definitely, I've got Tony Ferguson in this one. Uh, as do I, but um, we're both counting on him not being uh, affected mentally or physically from, from the beating he took his last fight. I don't think so. I mean, like, there's a reason they call him El Kukui, right? Like, he's a he's a crazy person, I think, and I don't mean to make light of that use of that term, but like, I mean, like, everybody's seen the videos. Everybody knows what Tony Ferguson's like. I can't imagine he's in a bad mental space after that fight. And to be fair, the dude went five rounds with Justin Gaethje. He didn't get to the end of the fifth, but he made it five rounds with Justin Gaethje. I mean, sure, that that could definitely change anybody, but even then, Gaethje didn't put him out, so. I, I think he probably bounces back just fine. We're both we're both betting on it, uh, literally. Um, brings us to our main event, um, flyweight championship. Once again, um, these guys just fought a few weeks ago. We've this is a basically a brand new podcast. This is only uh, episode five. We've already talked about these guys before, so that shows you how quick a turnaround is. This is the quickest turnaround uh, for a title fight ever, I believe. Um, they're going to be fighting. Th- exactly three weeks from their last fight. Uh, the people in question will be the champ, Devisan Figueredo, and the challenger, Brandon Moreno. Um, the champ is 20-1 and one as a as a pro. His only loss coming to Husio Formiga. Uh, he's got nine knockouts, 18 submissions. He's a finisher. Uh, we got a lot of finishers on this on this card, something to keep in mind when you're um, thinking about making prop bets. Uh, he's won two straight fights via submission um even though we probably think of him more as, as a slugger he's he's shown um submission skills uh, as of late uh he's won three of his last four via submission also uh he's a very large minus 305 favorite in this one uh moreno uh will be the bigger man two inches height two inches reach also younger um he is a baby face assassin after all um six years younger he's won three straight fights to get himself into this 
into this um, shot at the goal, uh, despite being released by the UFC a few years back. This is the second second run in the promotion. Uh, he's got 18 wins as a pro, 10 via submission. Uh, he's a sizable plus 245 dog in this one. I will be taking the chalk in the champ. I, I don't see anyone beating Figueredo, uh, anyone uh, at this point beating him. I'm sure down the road it's going to happen because everyone loses, but I don't see anyone beating him right now. Yeah, and, and I made the foolish decision of picking against him last time because I actually thought Alex Perez – had a good chance of wrestling him up a bit. And he, he did even a little bit, but granted that fight only lasted two minutes. I'm done picking against Figueredo until he gets beat. Uh, I'll just be wrong in the one he gets beat on because he, he's that good. Um, and right now there, there's a slew of contenders at 125, right? We could see Askar Askarov pop back up in there. And Manal Cape is apparently the alternate for this fight in case one of these two were to fall out. Like, there, there's fun guys for him to fight, but I'm not picking against him until um, he loses. And, and for me here, the, the big reason to take him is definitely the punching power, right? Like, Moreno is not unhittable. Um, Moreno's most, like you said, most of his wins have come by submission. I don't like that either. So, like, when you pair all of that kind of stuff together, like, it's a pretty clear pick for Figueredo. Those odds are right about right. And I'd feel comfortable adding him into a parlay too. I really uh, needed the odds boost. Right. Um, yeah, it's um, – I like Moreno. I didn't like seeing him getting cut first time through, so I'm glad glad he's back. But, um, but yeah, he – I'm looking at his stats. He almost gets hit as often as uh, – is basically even. Uh, he lands three strikes per minute. He he ex- absorbs three strikes per minute. Figueredo, surprisingly, um, he, he's pretty much the same. Uh, about three landed, three absorbed, but – uh, the punching power is the difference here, um, and the, and the accuracy. He's striking accuracy is 55% compared to uh, Moreno's 35%. So that's a huge difference. Plus, um, like I said, the, the power behind it is is um, is un- unquestionably in in his favor. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big personally a big prop or parlay guy, but um, I'm sure Dan has some for this card that he can uh, he can send your way if if you're so inclined. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, for my parlay, I'm just looking back. I think I like uh, Lee Jingliang and Sergei Spivak together. They're both right around 200, um, which means if you pair them together, if, if you're good at doing the parlay math in your head, you're going to wind up at about plus 110, plus 115 if you pair those two guys together. So th- those guys would be a good pair if you really want to do an odds boost. As I said before, Davison Figueredo, you can make it a three-leg parlay. And I, I think he's a safe one to add to just about any parlay if you'd like a little odds boost. Um, you mentioned before, Angela Hill and Tisha Torres is going to decision. No matter what, it's going to decision. Just bet whatever that line is. It's a prop. It might be negative 300. It's worth the negative 300 to bet on it. Um, and like I said before, I think actually Mackenzie Dern versus Virna Jandaroba is a fight that probably goes the distance. We see enough of a stalemate on the uh, in the grappling department here. And, and just looking at some preliminary odds too. I know they're not listed on my bookie yet, but looking at some preliminary odds, that fight going the distance is almost at a pick'em too. So uh, it's about 50-50 in terms of the Jandaroba Dern fight. So that, that those are pretty fun odds because I think that that one probably does not get stopped. There you go. Um, some solid solid picks there from a guy who who's very bad at picking, picking <laughs> fights. So, uh, so uh, that concludes uh, um, a very uh, very deep and very very strong. Um, UFC 256. So make sure you check that out uh, this Saturday night coming up. Um, and make sure you follow me on Twitter also. I gained a f- couple uh, new followers last week, but I'm still 
I pale in comparison to Dan. So I'm at Jeff Fox writer. Maybe they don't know how to spell it. So that, that could be the problem. J J E F F F O X W R I T E R. Um, and then if you want to follow uh, Dan for losing picks, he's at Gumby Vreeland, V R E E L A N D. Um, and that pretty much does it for this week. Do you have any other bad advice to give the people, Dan, before we say bye? No, just make sure you tune into all my other podcasts as well, Top Turtle MMA. Yes. Uh, check out this channel and all of the other podcasts come to you through that channel. So make sure you subscribe. Yes. Yeah, make sure you listen to Dan's channel where he will make total opposite picks from <laughs> what he just made, what he just made here, and that way he will look smart to at least half of his half of his audience. I I think that's his strategy here. So maybe maybe, uh, I, maybe I just messed it up. Then I I shouldn't have allowed my my listeners to cross over. They're gonna finish figure out my game. Your worlds are colliding, as they said on Seinfeld. Not a good thing. So uh, that wraps it up for this week. I will be back next week loading once again, hopefully, uh, with, with all my all my winning picks. So thank you for uh, checking us out. Make sure you check out my um, my written version of, of my preview for this week on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And check out MMA-manifesto.com for uh, Dan and my work um, this week for um, previews, uh, fight lineups, uh, gambling advice, whatnot, scouting reports. Uh, for for the big fight card leading uh leading up to UFC 256 thank you for listening and we will talk to you again next week